Welcome to the PE Huddle, sponsored by Gopher. I'm your host, Bob Pangrazy. The PE Huddle discusses and offers advice each week, or every other week, I should say, about issues and concerns related to physical education and teaching. We have huddles scheduled into the future, and we'll present them at this time every other Thursday. Professional development certificates are available to you at the end of this webcast or a few days after you listen to the recorded version. You can personalize your certificate by putting your name and date on it to meet the needs of your school district. Today, our panel will discuss issues related to opening schools, COVID-19, and what to expect as physical educators. Obviously, by now, y'all know that we should be ready to expect the unexpected. Today, we are featuring, featuring two outstanding experienced teachers from the Gopher Consultant staff. Jessica Shawley is a high school teacher for Lewiston High School in Idaho. She is a past shaped National Secondary Teacher of the Year. Chris Nichols is an elementary teacher for the Garland School District and a past Tayford Teacher of the Year. Welcome to you both. Gopher has a, developed a new product line, MyPE Packs. These individual equipment packs and activities have been designed for teaching PE during challenging times. The packs are designed for different types of PE programming, such as movement in games, sports, physical activity, physical fitness, adapted PE, limited space activities, SEL, and I, I think now we even have a bargain basement package. So we've got a little bit of everything for everybody. A bit later in the huddle, we will have a special guest. No, not, no, 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 no. I had that in my script, but I moved him right up to the top of the list. I thought, the heck with that. Let's move him up front. This is Michael Ewan, who works in the marketing department at Gopher. And uh, He's going to share a few features of the MyPE Pack product line so that if we mention it throughout the, the hour, you'll know what we're talking about. Michael, how about I turn it over to you? Well, thanks, Bob, for having me on the huddle here. I can't, I can't argue with being on the top of the show, right? No. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, thanks for giving me some time to talk about the MyPE Packs here. I'm going to share my screen and bring up the uh, the website that we've worked on over the last couple of weeks here. Uh, but basically this uh, MyPE Pack, and you can access this website at mypepack.gophersport.com. Otherwise, a, a kind of a short version is mypepack.com will work as well. So our goal was really to create a solution for teachers this fall. Um, we know, as the theme is, expect the unexpected. Nobody knows what the fall is going to look like. And we wanted to provide a program that teachers can use in any learning environment, whether you're uh, social distance or whether you're uh, remote learning, hybrid learning, or you know, in, in a school setting, social distancing. We wanted to create equipment packs that could work in every single situation. So three things were really important to us, and we wanted to make them personal, portable, and easy to sanitize. So with these packs, every student would have their own individual pack. So here's a, a movement and games pack right here. It comes with a included backpack and equipment, personal equipment uh, that students can take with them, whether they're, you know, if, they're, if it's a hybrid learning situation, they can bring them home for a few days and bring them back into school. If they're, uh, they can take them from the classroom to the gym and back or outside, but either way, students have their own equipment and their own bags. The bags themselves include um, a custom logo on the front that allows students to write their names on them. A lot of teachers were concerned about, you know, students misplacing the bags or losing their bags or getting the equipment mixed up. Having their own uh, name on there should eliminate that. At least it's not perfect, but um, hopefully uh, it helps eliminate some of the confusion as well. And then we wanted to make the equipment easy to sanitize. So I know a lot of teachers are concerned about, hey, how am I going to sanitize all of my equipment between class periods? Or, or how, how are students sharing the equipment? Well, this eliminates all of those struggles. Students will have their own equipment. Teachers don't have to worry about sanitizing in between classes. And at the end of the day, if, if students or if teachers are sanitizing all the equipment, 
all of the equipment is either made out of uh, vinyl or plastic or they're very easily washable. So we stayed away from including you know, cloth materials in the packs uh, that would make it really difficult to sanitize. So a quick introduction into the packs here. I'm just gonna go to this equipment packs page. We've got eight different packs available and they're great for all ages and abilities. So whether you're in an elementary school, middle or high school, these packs, um, we've got a pack for you basically. So the movement and games pack features uh, is focusing on manipulative skills, developing hand-eye coordination. This includes a coated foam ball, bean bag, some scarves, some jump ropes, uh, some chalk and some uh, cup stacking cups here. And then we've also got a sport pack and a fitness pack. And we're really excited. We are in the process of developing a social emotional learning pack. So this is a, you know, an incredibly stressful time for students and teachers and uh, being able to kind of allow students to slow down and practice, uh, you know, mindfulness and, and yoga practices in PE uh, is incredibly important. So we've been working with Shape America to, to work on or to create some activities and a really a program developed around social emotional learning with these packs. And then as Bob mentioned, we just created a kind of, as he said, a, a bargain, a, a basement bargain pack uh, or a starter pack is what we called it for $15.95. Uh, and this is where, you know, we're doing our best to, to create a solution for teachers this fall. And we, we don't want price to be the, uh, the main reason why teachers can't purchase these. So we tried to uh, accommodate that. This includes a uh, playground ball, some chalk, jump rope, and some bean bags. And then we've also worked very closely with Dr. Pangrazi on creating not these, we're not just trying to make these equipment packs that we send you and say, here you go, uh, teach these with your students, but we created lessons or Dr. Bob created lessons around every single um, piece of equipment in these packs. So Bob, if you wanna kind of take it away and talk about how you created these and, and kind of some background around that, that'd be great. Yeah, thanks, Michael. <clears throat> One of the things we were, uh, trying to do was, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with kids having their own pieces of equipment. And I know they're pricey, but, you know, I think parents are going to have a little different point of view now coming back too. Uh, some of them are going to be willing to provide their kids with some things to do at home. So uh, I, I think it's nice that we have packs here in all the different areas. Um, and depending on, you know, your focus in teaching and, you know, we were looking at high schools uh, fitness may be a pack they want. Sports might be another pack. Uh, but we, we took a couple tacks. The, the activities are available for every pack. If you want to go to the next page, Michael, um, sure. show the activities. Let's, yeah, let's just look at physical activity. Um, and let's just look at foam balls. Each of the activity lists talks about national standards and outcomes and, and equipment that you need, as well as teaching hints. All the activities are in progression from easy to hard. And then all the activities are individual in nature so kids can practice by themselves without needing a partner. Um, we also have some videos that we put in with them. So uh, if you don't know exactly how to do an activity, this will kind of show you how to set it up. And then in the sports activities, we did some, uh, if you look at the sports pack, for example, um, we had kids, learn the basic skills that are required for the sport, but then we also put in a check your progress uh, unit. And my feeling is that anybody that learns to master a sport practices the same skill over and over and over, and you need some kind of feedback about how you're doing. And so uh, there are four or five different self-testing activities in there where you can, for example, uh, pass against a wall, punt the ball, figure eight, dribbling. We're talking about uh, soccer now. Um, and so you can uh, you can test yourself and see if you're making progress. And we think that'll be self-motivating in itself. So, um, you know, good job, Gopher. I, I had an idea of some things I wanted to see. And then uh, Michael and Gopher, uh, the Gopher team brought it to life. So, I like the looks of it. I think you guys did a good job. Thank you, Bob. And if you don't mind, if I just mention a couple, a couple other things. Uh, we have had some teachers reach out to us saying that, you know, this isn't exactly fitting my needs or, uh, you know, the curriculum that I'm using, these packs don't quite fit what I'm trying to do. 
if that is the case, uh, you can create a custom pack with us. Just simply fill out this form right here and we'll get back to you in a day or two uh, with a custom pack of your own. <clears throat> and then the other thing that I wanted to mention is everything on this website, all of the activities that we created are completely free. You don't have to purchase a pack to view the activities. Just simply go on mypepack.com and then you'll, you will have to create an account, but you can have access to all of these activities uh, completely free. So maybe you can use equipment that you already have uh, along with some of these activities. So, so that's all I have. Uh, and I'll jump off here and I'll let you guys continue with the huddle. Well, we might even think of making you a regular, Michael. We'll see, you know, <laughs> as long as you're not too demanding. Um, <laughs> we don't pay much. <laughs> thanks, Michael. Bloody, anytime, um, Bob. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. And so with that, let's uh, let's welcome Jess and Chris to the huddle. Um, welcome, guys. Glad you're both here. Um, let me thank you both for your continued contributions to the profession. I know both of you have been busy preparing for the opening of school, and I have a sneaking hunch we all feel it's next to impossible to anticipate all the issues that will arise. Certainly, if you had asked Chris and me if Texas and Arizona would be back in school this fall, we probably would have asked me that in May and asked Chris in May, we probably would have said, oh, for sure, we're not having all that much problem with COVID until COVID decided to take over both our states and just about fill every hospital bed that uh, you can find. So, uh, you know, who knows where we'll be in two or three weeks when school starts. And, and I think that's part of the message that we need to talk about, and that is, Relax, because you can't control a thing about COVID. It's in charge, and we're going to do our best to adapt every time. So I hope you both had a good summer uh, despite COVID. Um, and I'd like each of you just to kind of give me a real-life view of your summer and how it impacted your lifestyle. Jess, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks again for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Um, 2,000 miles to relocate for just the summer to the Midwest. So that was a, a fun adventure um, traveling across the country and one room studio apartment. So everyone's here and being quiet. And uh, we are thankfully close to a park and a biking path and a golf course. So just um, that PE teacher and me getting outside getting access and just thankful for health and um, taking it day by day to make the best of it, despite you know many things that we do sightseeing or tourist-wise are kind of closed down. And then that's okay, but we're, um, so it's, it's been a fun summer. It's been nice to just unplug a bit and relax. And now it's getting time to ramp up again. Well, I know when you travel and you go into a different home, uh, it it's small, you just make do and, uh, uh, hello to, because uh, I'm sure they can probably hear me, hello to Wyatt and Charles, because <laughs> it's not very big, you you, yeah. you told me that, so, uh, uh, but I'm sure glad you're enjoying and getting to see another part of the country. Um, Chris, fill me in. Now, Chris and I, we're going to get together in Flagstaff. Tell us a little bit about your summer, Chris. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I, we were doing a Europe trip, so COVID uh, canceled that, but uh, I'm blessed. I'm I'm still getting paid, and I have a job and she has a job and uh, so we decided to road trip and we're going to meet you in Flagstaff and uh, traveling. If you're traveling in the interstates now, finding restrooms, finding places to eat, are it's very difficult. So COVID has pretty much taken over everything and it also affected our visit to CU because uh, we got called back early. My wife did. She works in the central staff. So they said, come on back because we're going to start earlier. And so... We turned around and missed meeting with you, but uh, I'm kind of like Jess. The golf course has been my savior this summer to get out and social distance and get outside and play some rounds of golf. Oh, great. Well, <clears throat> you both look good for all the wear and tear of the summer. So welcome aboard and glad you're safe. And you know, you said a couple of things that really resonate with me. N number one is, uh, you know, you talked about the difficulty of travel. I, I mean, let, let's be honest uh, and face up to it. COVID makes life a little bit harder. Uh, and people are edgy and, and people are uneasy at times. And uh, so it's a time for us to be 
as soft and gentle as we possibly can be as teachers. Uh, and uh, I, I'm just, uh, the other thing you said that you're still getting paid and you know, whew, when you look at the unemployment figures, we should be extremely appreciative and hope that that continues going forward. Um, Jess, um, you know, what did you do this spring and what did you learn this spring when you were doing remote learning um, that you're going to carry over and maybe modify for the fall? Oh, yeah. Good question. And one thing I think back to right away is our department chair challenged our team, you know, hey, whatever we're going to do, let, let's do it and then make it something that we could carry over into the fall. You know, let's not let it be for nothing. You know, let's learn something new. Let's try some things and see what will carry over. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that challenge. And so I definitely um, can beef up my skills and being better as a virtual teacher. You know, we're all PE teachers. We're so used to being in person. And so I know I can. Um, I've got a lot of goals on how to adjust in that way. And um, I'll continue with Google Classroom. You know, I would peppered it in here and there, even with in-person teaching with my PE classes. But now I just want it to be across the board so that I have it as a tool right away and thinking about getting back that first week or two, because we plan for that in person as of right now, I want to be able to teach the kids how to access all these online resources right away so that if we do switch over, they they know how to access these resources. So um, I'm going to continue with our PE department website and posting resources so that kids have choices um, using Google Classroom. And we have some fitness education and some curriculum programming through platform um, for, for training. And then we've, we're, I'm going to continue with a mix of that and then just be ready to go. So um, that's kind of what I learned from the, from the spring, those tools to carry over. And then that, that patience and um, take, you know, slow <laughs> to go forward here. Yeah, and yeah. then that'll be okay. Cause I'm usually, you know me, I'm like, go, 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 go. But yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to, deep breath and, and that's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Chris, I, I mean, I know you uh, attended your first virtual state conference uh, and tell us about that experience and how that's going to impact your thinking going into the fall. Yeah. And kudos to our tapered organization for transitioning from in-person to virtual. That is great and how they Going to help us out and to all the presenters out there that shared their information I, I learned a lot from those people and i've learned that uh i need to learn a lot on how to navigate this virtual platforms and so all those people that shared the digital toolboxes and and uh, what the models are going to look like and and how things are changing from what it was in march when we just kind of threw something together out there and how it's going to be a completely different model of learning and so i'm grateful for our organization to putting that out there and the presenters to share that information. It's uh, going to really help me plan for the year. Yeah, well, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, as of today, um, what do you think is going to happen uh, in the Lewiston uh, School District? What do you, how, how are you guys planning for the opening of school? Well, right. Uh, right now, we are planning for in school with physical distancing. So our state, you know, has also come out with its own, you know, guidelines for three different phases for those, you know, three models, whether it's in school, um, hybrid or online. And um, we have a unique challenge, I feel, where we um, have a brand new high school that we're opening up and the whole district is reconfigured. So our elementaries are now K-5, our middle schools are now 6, 7, 8 instead of 7, 8, 9 junior highs, and our high school is 9 through 12 for the first time. So just the, I think that fear of not being able to open up brand new schools in person is a unique challenge for us. And um, also just trying to be safe at the same time and know what our numbers are. But as of right now, it is um, a plan of in-school physical distancing. And I think we'll know a lot more once um, you know, the end of July and start of August hits as to specifics from administrators on how um, we're going to make these things all happen. But um, yeah, in opening new schools for the first time during COVID, that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Chris, how about you? Um, 
we start August the 3rd. The teachers go back to, as of right now, we're on campus the third with no students. And um, we're gonna start with that. Our governor just put down a um, mandate that none, none of the schools can have kids on campus until at least September the 8th. Each district's developing their own plan right now. That's what we're projected. And the kids will have an option, the parents will have an option to opt in to virtual only or on campus. And then if they feel it's safer, then they can opt. If they opt for virtual, then they can come to uh, on the campus later on. But that that's the plan for Texas right now. September the 8th, that uh, teachers, my district will be reporting August the 3rd. Um, I think Arizona is August 17th and the governor's coming out today and, and may extend it. Um, school starts here the 4th of August. So we're close to your schedule, Chris. Um, and, you know, that could change any time, but that will all be virtual till then. And then I think if, if the governor mandates they go back, um, I, I, then they plan on going back with the what CDC calls more risk or the hybrid model. And they would rotate kids in maybe half a class at a time and, and work that way. So um, there's a lot of, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of concern from teachers. Uh, certainly parents are concerned for their kids, but I think teachers are more concerned about their health. Um, and they've done a, a lot of surveys of, teachers to see how many would be willing to come back face-to-face, -face, et cetera. Um, you guys see that same kind of feeling in your districts? Yes, it's the same thing. They've sent out uh, district surveys to staff asking, are, are you comfortable? Do you feel that you would be on campus or do you have, you know, if you don't feel comfortable, you know, what, options are out there for us as educators and I don't know what those options are going to be but you know I know we all have our different levels of comfort and uh, me being in a situation where you know two adults that are not that old yet but uh, we both have uh, good health that I said that I would be willing to be on campus that I would assume the risk. Yeah for us we haven't had a survey like that yet. I think we had one earlier this spring, but we haven't had another recent one, but our our um, our area numbers are growing, but they're still on that at that lower level to where with that in-school opening, we haven't had a survey like that. But I think there are concerns with everybody across the board. I think it's, I, I think you'll find everyone feeling a little uneasy, but yet ready to get back with some um, safety protocol in place. Um. What are you going to do for a curriculum, Chris? How are you planning on distance learning? What, what are you doing for a curriculum? After that virtual conference, you know, I've got a lot of new ideas. I'm kind of like Jessica. I'm type A. Right now, I would have already planned out my first six weeks and my year at the glance and had everything boom, 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 boom. But with the uncertainty, you know, it changes every day. And uh, we were using, or I was using Google Classroom also. And our, we just pivoted to a new platform that uh, I haven't had any training on. So there, there's you another, you know, kind of a wrench or another thing that you have to, you know, just roll with. What, and know. What platform, Chris, are you going to? We're going to a, a Canvas. And yeah, that's what they're doing in Mesa too. They're going from Google Classroom to Canvas. How about you, Jess? Uh, Google Classroom still. I, one of my um, uh, friends, they're transitioning to can Canvas this year in their district, so that is something I've, I've heard of recently as well. Now, I, I got a question here, Jess, for you regarding whether uh, you use Google, Google Classroom with your department, or is there a Google Classroom set up for each teacher in each class at the high school? So each teacher for each class. When we um, went, yeah, when we went to remote learning this spring, that was a school-wide mandate that each teacher would, you know, get onto Google Classroom and have a Google Classroom for each each class. And um, many already had, you know, had experience with it here and there. Um, so it's nice that I we finally have it district-wide, you know, not district-wide, sorry, school-wide. Yeah. Chris, I I think I cut you off. I didn't mean to. 
No, that's no. It's, I think my screen just <laughs> froze for a minute. But yeah, that's uh, on the canvas. I think that'll be part of uh, when we go back. That we'll receive more in-depth training in that, and send. Hopefully, I'll have a better understanding of how that translates to what our virtual lessons will look like on that platform. Do you know why they switched to Canvas, Chris? I, I do not know, Bob. That's above my pay grade. On, on yeah. well, I was just curious because they did the same thing in Mesa. They they went from Google Classroom to Canvas. I, I think because uh, Canvas was being used at the high school and the elementary was using Google Classroom. So probably in this case, they wanted to go to one platform. Uh, uh, yes. Um, have either of you, one of the things they're doing in Mesa in a lot of the areas uh, and MPE, uh, particularly at the secondary level, is they're purchasing a curriculum to be taught. Um, there's a curriculum out of Florida that they're going to be using and that's going to be standardized among all the teachers. Have you, either of you, had anything, heard anything about something like that? No. Not, not in Texas. Yeah, no, not in Idaho either. We still um, have been given the freedom to design our curriculum for us or and to ask for tools and curriculum resources that we'll use to plan our curriculum. Is there, um, so Chris, are, do, you, do you have any um, uh, leadership from the district about what you're going to be teaching online? Uh, we just hired our new director of PE, so I think she just started last week, so we're uh, hopefully that'll be rolling out and then my wife does work in central staff so you know I I get feedback from her of what she's trying to do she's trying to develop all the modules for uh, reading teachers now off of that campus platform so I have I have an insight to what it looks like for the reading area but for physical education you know I'm using your resources off the my PE packs and then going to shape off of their guidelines for uh, re-entry guidelines for physical education just you guys integrate at all? That, what was that question again? What do you mean integrate? Do, do, you, do your staff integrate? How many P, How many teachers at the high school? There's five of us. And how closely aligned are you guys curriculum-wise? Uh, we, we collaborate and we um, look at our programs across the board. And so if we're, we're teaching a common class, we're going to collaborate on that, on what those essential learning targets are and like common assessments. And um, we, we um, during remote learning during the spring, we met, you know, once a week as a department just to discuss what we we're doing and what, and they've, they did a nice job. I am new on the staff, but when I came in, they already had a curriculum map of this is what this class does. And this is what this class focuses on in this class. So that's, that's how we collaborate as a team, as a department, which is really nice um, so that we have some goals and essential learning targets of what our focus is. I would have a hunch if you saw it in person, it's not quite as good as it sounds over the <laughs> air. I, I've been around high school departments, so uh, you, you know you can't fool me. Um, and, and I've been around lots of teachers and you, and you can't fool me completely. I know... Uh, I know that there's not as tight a coordination as we as we might say, but we'll leave it at that. Um, um, having said that, uh, uh, someone asked about, uh, you know, do we have a six-week plan for back to school? Um, and let me speak about what Deb is doing. Um, a lot of you know that my wife is a supervisor of the largest school district in. Uh, Arizona, and she has about 80 elementary PE teachers that she coordinates and works with. And she was just showing me how she's laid out everything. And what she's done is she's picked from uh, DPE ASAP the parts of her lesson, but they start every lesson with an SDL um, session. So they might spend a couple times just calming down, getting with it, relaxing, talking about things that are important. And then they finish with a fun activity as well. Um, and it's all laid out over the next six to eight weeks. So they're all together on that. They have videos of the activities. So uh, if you knew my wife, you would know uh, that she's uh, highly organized. She probably has me as well trained as she does the, the PE teachers out there. And uh, so 
she's got it all laid out. But one of the things I, I want to say that we had a conversation a number of times, and that is she would plan something and then someone would say, well, no, we can't do that. We got to do this. And then it'd be all, you know, start over and here we go. And finally, I said, and I'm saying this to all you physical educators out there, nobody in your school knows physical education better than you. You may have an administrator who was a former PE teacher, but they're spending all their time on the academic side of the ledger. And it's your job to plan. I'll say a little bit more about that, but it is your job to plan and decide what's going to be taught and where you're going. And if you wait for someone to tell you, you're not going to have any idea of where you're going. You've got to plan ahead of time. So um, what are you planning, Jess, for, let's say, the first six weeks of school well, about what you know? Um, well, right now, I, I have, you know, an outline of what I used to do the first six weeks. And so now I'm going back and looking at that, like, how am I going to do this with in-school physical distancing? How might I do that with, you know, online and then that hybrid? And I, I just don't know exactly. Like, I can't overstress and try and plan out to to the de minute detail anymore that because of how things change day to day you know and so I have a general idea but I I like what you had said what Deb was doing because that's kind of what my thoughts are how can I bring in some of that relationship building and just knowing that my kids have gone through a lot um, the last six months and myself too so again just bringing us back together where is everyone at what what have we experienced these last, you know, this last six months? And then how are we going to be here, be together for this learning? You know, what's our why um, in this class? And then how are we going to work together to achieve that? So I um, plan for some relationship building, taking things slow, and then reminding the kids of the, the students of the purpose of the class. And they're going to have to be part of that too and helping find solutions. And then you know, beforehand too, I am gonna, you know, getting permission from my administration and our school, you know, COVID team and just safety wise, can I do this? Can I do that? You know, how about this activity or using this equipment um, and what are sanitization, you know, procedures, but that aside, once you kind of know what you can and can't do, then again, it's that focus on the relationships, going slow, um, uh, self-reflection I think is going to be huge um, and then just setting up those procedures for trying reflecting upon that and setting a new goal and going from there and so my classes I've, are, are definitely more fitness based whether it's the weight training class or a dance yoga fitness or elite fitness and performance so a lot of that can be done in your own smaller space but usually it you know has a lot of cooperation. So we're gonna have to think differently on that. Um, but I don't have all the first six weeks out. I just know the intention of my class and I'm gonna chip away at planning that and still keeping the fun, like you'd said, in it. How are we gonna find that fun factor? You said a lot of things in that, Jess. Boy, you said a lot of things and there was a lot of meat in what you said. Uh, the one thing I, I I do want to say um, and and tag on to what you said is about having some fun online and, and whether it's virtual or when you go back, um, man, there has to be some joy and some fun in it. And a lot of times we take virtual education and we think it's just a matter of saying, okay, here's the assignment, now go do it. And I think the most important thing we need to do in virtual education is bring kids together and have some fun there and get some interaction going and a little laughter because what they're really missing out is the social side. I mean, anybody can say toss a beanbag, you know, go practice hitting a, a, a birdie with the racket and see if you can do 10 in a row. I mean, anybody can say that kind of stuff. But we, we've got somehow to try to socialize these kids because that's what parents are screaming about. Number one, they want us to take care of their kids. But number two, they're really concerned that their kid's not being socialized. And, and mm -hmm. I, I, I want you to be sure and understand that you probably will teach half of what you normally teach in terms of content. But I hope you'll teach the other half being there to socialize, to have some fun and to have give them a chance to communicate with each other 
over your sessions because boy, that's what they're missing out on. Chris, you want to jump on that a little bit? Yeah, I'm in a different setting of being the elementary. I even have three-year-olds on my campus. So that, that relationship building in, in the first few weeks are going to have to be, you know, the new normal to teach the kids, hey, this is how I used to teach. And, you know, I was always there, you know, high fives, you know, good job. We did, you know, all the positive feedback and that whole social emotional learning the transition to let these kids know that, hey, still care, your friends are in here, but it's going to be different. You know, there's there's going to have to be limitations on where you can play, how we can play. And, you know, like you said, it's going to, it'll be weeks for me just going over the procedures of, you know, how we come into the gym now, the different activities that'll have changed because of COVID and what areas you'll play in and how we'll get equipment and where we'll place the equipment. So, you know, just to get the kids to understand that, hey, I still care about you, but what it was last year is not going to be the same this year until we uh, eliminate COVID. Yeah, yeah, uh, well well said. You know, um, I want to go back to something you said, Jess. Uh, you were saying, well, I'll ask my principal if this is okay, if that's okay. Um, you know, that's not necessarily my tack. Um, I would say plan it out and take it to the principal and say, this is what I plan to do. Yes. Because if you go to him and say, well, is it okay if I do this? They don't have a clue. So you know what they have to do? They have to make up an answer. And mm -hmm. so they say yes or no. What else are they going to say if they don't know? Right. And no, and that's going to be like being proactive. De you definitely have to come with but they're, they're going to want to know what I'm doing for sure. Exactly. So you say, hey, I've planned out. This is what I plan to do. Would you look it over? And if you have any comments, let me know. Nine times out of 10, you'll get to do what you have planned. And oftentimes we sit around waiting for someone to give us permission to do this or do that. You're professionals. Plan it out. Lay it out. That's what you know better than anybody in that school. And then, sure, take it to your administrator and say, okay, here's what I plan to do. Maybe there's a red flag in there, but if there is, they'll be sure to tell you. And if not, away you go. So um, yeah. um, that's, a, that's a good way to say that, Bob. And we just yesterday uh, uh, sent an email to our administrator saying, hey, here's our uh, Shape America Reentry considerations for health and PE. We've got the social emotion learning component crosswalk too. We are here as the health and PE department. We're ready to rock and roll. Um, and just giving them that information now so that they're aware that we have guidance from the CDC so that when we come forward with those things, they know we have that behind us. Super. Chris, um assuming when you get back in the classroom and it's just a matter of time you you know we're we're assuming that we'll get ahead of this thing and one of these days we'll be back in the classroom uh, tell me a little bit about um sanitation and and keeping you know that covid's a respiratory system uh, a disease um what kind of plans are you going to make and your district going to force you to make um, to enter back with kids face to face, at least as you perceive it. I know it's you don't know all the details. Well, when I go in, I know the first thing on August the third, I need to change how I mark my gym. So the visual markers have to be just like at your grocery store. I got I gotta I gotta have the six foot distancing guidelines for so my kids know when they're playing that. So the visual markers on the gym floor. So I know that's one of the first thing I have to do. Uh, there's also guidelines on when you use equipment that has to be disinfected after yeah, each use by that student. So like if your PE pack, if I didn't have one for every student, if we were sports stacking after the student used that, I would have to sanitize that equipment between then. So hopefully in my schedule, and I don't know it yet, they'll build in some additional time to allow that sanitation of equipment between each class. And then um, so, some of the activities we did before, you know, that require multiple students to an activity, you know, those won't be uh, the same activities we do. We'll have to change the activities where they're more, you know, in, in their social distance space with their piece of equipment doing the activities. Do you feel confident um, that 
well, not your three-year-olds because I'm pushing it here, but your first graders, let's say, can come in, sanitize their piece of equipment, use it, sanitize it again on the way out. Um, do you feel like they can do that? I mean, how, how are you going to deal? You, you have a group of 30 kids coming in and you have, like you said, you have your gym marked off, which is a great idea. And um, what do you think, Chris? What's your feeling about that? Right before our spring break, we were doing badminton with lollipop paddles. And so I had that group trained that after they had their 45 minute class that I had over there, hand sanitizer, and they would go over there and pump out the hand sanitizer, wipe down the handles, and then space them apart for the next class to come in. So I was already trying to train them for that. And then the, the upper grades, yes, but you know, the lower grades, they're, they're so much of wanting that physical interaction, you know, it's going to be a struggle to keep them yeah. six feet apart and to teach them, you know, the proper sanitation. But, you know, that's where the procedures, procedures, procedures come in place. You know, if you, if you, if you keep working on it, they'll get it. It's going to structure your program tremendously. Yes. Yeah. Jess, uh, how about you? You want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, we're, I mean, for me, I, we're, again, the spacing, I think those gym markers are really smart. And with the, the high school, the older students, uh, maybe we'll just be using spots and cones for that, or just being more mindful of that and training them for that. I think getting outside for us, I mean, but that's, we're able to in our region um, to be able to do that and um, utilize the outdoor space. I anticipate being able to do that as well. And then, um, you know, I've been seeing with other teachers, the kids as they enter their, you know, washing or hand sanitizing before the, before the lesson and then on their way out as well, um, in addition to um, sanitizing the equipment. And so those are just some of the things I've been thinking about. And you feel comfortable that that'll be a fairly clean environment? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Great answer. It's hard to say you feel comfortable with anything with COVID. That's why it is nice to hear from other teachers internationally who are already teaching, and that's part of their uncomfort too, you know? Wash in, wash out, wash the equi equipment. Yeah, yeah. yeah you mentioned. What about, uh, and I, I want both of you to respond, what about face masks? <laughs> Chris? Right now, it's going to be a requirement, you know, for what age level up, you know, it's going to be face masks and temperature checks before you come onto the campus. Uh, I know busing is going to be a huge issue because they got a social distance on the bus, so the capacity of buses. So, um Idaho's a little different than Texas, and Bob can tell you from Mesa, Arizona, it's hot down here. And and you were talking about doing outside activities. I mean, our ozone level right now in Texas, I think our heat index will be like 105, 106, and the ozone level red. So we can't go outside anyway. So add that and put a mask on and then have a kid out at recess with a mask on when it's 100 degrees. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a challenge. You couldn't say it any better. I mean, can you imagine going out in August when it's 117 degrees here and with a mask on and, you know, trying to do PE? I mean, uh, it, it's just impossible. I, I mean, even Lewiston gets darn hot. I mean, I lived in Pullman for many years, so I know Lewiston inside and out, and it can get pretty hot. Um, Jess, what about face masks at the high school? I think what I'd seen is that... Um, they're not mandated yet in that, but they're highly recommended. And I don't know what our district, um, that was from the state department, uh, state board recent, um, recent regulations that they had sent out. So I don't know what our district is adopting yet. So um, I do, you know, have those same concerns, especially with the heat and just the comfort. And then I think PE teachers are gonna have to reframe how, what they think about those like MVP activities. And is that, that's not going to be the end all be all as far as like high high intensity what other things can we do and then challenging to get in those other activities outside of school um for that so i i don't know i don't know that's that's something i worry about a lot and having those different ideas my spaces and those squares or grids and then you know are they are they going to be able to do what they can within that with a mask on and if not what what else are we going to be able to do 
Yeah, our kids from second grade, I, I think K through two doesn't have to wear them. I think it th starts in third, but it could be second. Um, we'll have to wear them. And uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a tough go around. And, you know, some people say go outside, but, you know, Chris, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, you know, somebody asked about the PE packs and, and uh, the only reason we proposed them, one of the things I thought is that if kids have their own equipment and their own equipment pack, that takes care of pretty much keeping it clean. And if they bring it to school and they take care of it and they're the only ones that touch it, um, you know, if you're using a set of playground balls or fleece balls or bean bags and, and you've got 30 kids in a class in eight periods a day as you do in elementary, uh, you know, that's 250 kids that touch those bean bags in a day. And then you're asking that they're sanitized and nice and clean. And uh, um, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll go along with Jess. I don't know if they're clean enough or not, but uh, uh, that's, a, that's a tough problem. Um, I've, I've heard um, some ideas from teachers about rotational. I don't know how everyone else thinks about that too. Like first period uses all jump ropes and then those are you know, put aside. And then the next group you just you focuses on this ball and the next group focuses on this so that then, I know that's a lot of equipment at the end of the day to clean, but I don't know how everyone feels about that. But I thought that was another idea I'd heard that I thought, well, that might be a good way to around that too when not every kid can have their own all day, you know? Yeah, you know, Deb <clears throat> tried hard to get the aerosol sprayers, uh, uh, you know, a, a minor level um, version compared to what they use on airplanes that disinfect everything with an aerosol, a pump and an aerosol, but they're pricey, number one. Um, and number two, you know, I have, I have thoughts about, I, I, <laughs> uh, someone, I'm not going to mention names, but he's a national figure. I mean, he said that he has concern about the risk of cancer going up in the future because of all the disinfectants and all the sprays and everything we're using now that kids are using. So, you know, we could worry about everything in the whole world, but, you know, don't. Just do the best you can with what you, you can. And, uh, uh, any ideas for students not changing out for high school? Uh, well, I know for sure probably the Mesa schools aren't going to change out at the high school. All right. There's, I mean, getting in that locker room would be a disaster and they're crowded and kids are slamming around, pushing around. So I know they're not going to dress out. So that may mean you change some of the activities. Uh, you can imagine how sweaty kids could get. I mean, you're probably going to modify the intensity of the activities some for what you're doing with these kids. Um, Jess, do you want to jump in on that high school? I mean, no, that's well said. And that's part of the reentry recommendations, too, is to, you know, not have those locker rooms or limit their use and how the flow of those go. So it all depends on the size of that space and whatnot, but many of our high school kids don't didn't really change anyways, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, if it wasn't mandatory and, and many of them were already in their active wear. So that'll be um, interesting to see how we handle that. I'm gonna be flexible, flexible with that. I as long as they're, you know, gonna participate and do the best they can with what they have again. Um, and then it's just a matter of the bags, you know, where do all the bags go? Can the bags be everywhere? Or the recommendation is they leave them in their locker. I mean, it, it's, it'll be interesting for that one too, but it was nice to see, you know, recommendations on limiting that use because of that space and airflow quality and whatnot. I mean, we, I, I don't need to stress about that. That's how I feel too. I, why, why stress about changing? Really? That's not my big big focus on modify the activities and we, we have a lot more to worry about than, you know. Well, I, I hope that people listen carefully to, to you, Jess, and you, Chris, um, because I happen to know that the two of you are highly organized human beings and you like closure, you like things organized, you like to have things systematic, you like to know where you're going, what you're doing. And yet I hear the words flexibility and I don't know. And I would commend you for that because we're all going to enter in to a situation this fall and we don't even know what it's going to be yet. And, you know, Chris, you're, you're, you're like us uh, here in Arizona, a couple of weeks away from school and you have no idea. 
So, you know, good on the two of you. And I hope that message is one of the big messages that people heard. And, uh, you know, let me just give you a couple of, of other words about, you know, online education uh, and close this thing up here. Um, you know, online education was sort of a lightweight version of teaching and learning last spring. We really didn't hold anybody accountable to anything. Um, we gave students the option to learn if they wanted. Um, but this fall, it can't be that way. And everyone's going to expect teachers to learn and students to learn. And uh, we'll talk a little more about accountability uh, in the future. Today wasn't uh, our goal at, at that. Um, and uh, secondly, let me say that you are responsible for planning a successful program. Nobody else in the school knows more about PE than you, uh, unless you have an experienced PE supervisor, and then they're still going to put it on you. If you're waiting for someone else to plan your program, it might not happen, and then you'll be criticized. But you know what? I would rather be criticized for what I have planned rather than be criticized for what I failed to plan. Open your lessons with success and positivity. Every youngster should be able to perform the opening activities in your teaching progressions. Let's start with success and get them attached. Remember, you have to connect with them. Kids only learn if you connect with them. And it's not a matter of putting on a video and saying this is online PE. You're gonna have to work on connecting. Reduce what you teach. Take lesson time for interaction with your students about the social and emotional side of learning. I think 50% of your lessons should be focused on that. Relationships are what we create. Use every student's name. Feelings always precede learning. How I feel about learning will determine whether or not I'm motivated to learn. And laugh a bit. Laughter increases retention by 44%. Get them laughing. Get them enjoying. And finally, let's close by letting me thank you for listening and thanks for being teachers. I have a hunch there are a huge number of parents who now value teachers more than they ever have. See you guys in two weeks. Thanks so much. The next huddle in two weeks. Great job, Chris, Jessica, Michael. See you guys soon.